Welcome back to another episode of the Royals Farm Report Podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Alex Duvall. How's it going, man? Joel, I may have never been better. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs have won the NFL Super Bowl. I literally could not be more excited about Kansas City sports than I am right now. In the last five years, we've seen the Royals win the World Series, the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. The Kansas City Chiefs may have the best athlete in the world right now when you take into account position and sport and age and contract and successes. Um, I cannot be more ecstatic than I am for the future of Kansas City sports, and I am super excited for our guest tonight on the podcast. Um, Joel, it really could not be a whole lot better for me right now. Man, I went back and watched some highlights uh, this afternoon when I got off work, and it still just doesn't feel real uh, for the Kansas City Chiefs. The fact they are Super Bowl champions, it's it's an incredible feeling uh, just to be a fan of this team, and, and it's awesome for the city. It's awesome for Patrick Mahomes and Tyron Matthew and many, many other guys. It's it's an incredible uh, thing to see, and I know this won't be the last one with this team, especially with uh, with 15 under center for the next you know 15 years or so. I don't I don't think this will be the last time we get a parade in Kansas City. Oh, no, I seriously doubt it. And, you know, parade coming up uh, on Wednesday. We're recording this on Monday night. So by the time you hear this, it'll be tomorrow. The, the parade will be uh, projected over a million people showing up this wow. parade. I cannot imagine the financial impact that this Super Bowl is going to have on Kansas City. Um, you know, I, I think sports is a lot of times the great unifier of a community. But Absolutely. it also, you know, the, the, the impact it has on the community financially in terms of not just socially, but financially as well, um, can never be underestimated, which is why I'm really glad we have uh, the guest we have with us tonight. But I'm going to let you introduce him uh, right now. Yeah, we'll definitely need to talk about the Chiefs more here in the near future. But tonight, uh, Alex and I are very fortunate to be joined by Mikey Morrison. He is the general manager of the Burlington Royals, uh, the rookie ball affiliate in the Appalachian League for the Royals organization. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're, we're really excited to have you on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Uh, and two things before we kind of get to it. Uh, first thing is <clears throat> when you when you say our league name, you kind of got to say it with a southern draw. It's Appalachian. Appalachian. You start, okay. Yeah, Appalachian. When you start doing the Appalachian, you kind of show that you're not from around here. And so we're it's Appalachian. And then two, I would like to say that I turned uh, our house uh, just outside of Burlington, North Carolina, into Kansas City East yesterday. I did have Mama Holmes jersey on. Uh, I even smoked a brisket that had Joe's Kansas City big meat seasoning on it. Ooh. So uh, we we had some good stuff here yesterday. A lot of fun. I was right, glad to see that those boys were able to pull it out. Yeah, it was absolutely. It's yeah, really it's absolutely awesome. Yeah, we, I love the I love the Joe's sauce on the smoked brisket for the Super Bowl. That's it was, that's an awesome touch. I had a had the opportunity to to go out to the World Series parade a couple of years ago, and so Dad and I went to to Joe's and tried it out because we were told this place to go. And boy, man, I, I I've paid the hundreds of dollars it takes to get that thing, that thing flown out here before, so it's it's definitely worth it. Well, yeah, that's awesome. I've I've had a buddy that went to school in Alabama, and I and I've thought about sending barbecue before, and then I got online and saw that that price tag on there i was like oh, he doesn't need it that bad he can come back and see me if he needs it but that is a really cool feature of joe's that they ship barbecue across the country for people that can't get it in kansas city so that's pretty cool that you guys have had it there out in burlington yeah it's uh it's one of those you know growing up yeah i'd always heard about carolina barbecue and kansas city barbecue and so 
you know, being from Carolina, I had to go when we were there, I had to say, all right, which barbecue is the best? And there's, there's no doubt in my mind, Kansas City barbecue blows Kansas City, blows Carolina barbecue out the water. So there's, there's no competition for me. Well, that's good to hear. So, Mr. Morrison, the reason we have you on tonight is just to give you a platform to talk about your organization and kind of be and kind of be a megaphone for the other organizations that are being impacted by uh, the possibility of having their affiliation taken away. You're one of 42 clubs that are on a list of that being a possibility. Uh, we the reason uh, you know the inspiration for wanting to get you on here was a. Uh, like a graphic that your social media team posted that talks about the community impact and the millions of dollars uh, that go into, you know, charitable donations and fundraisers at the ballpark and donations uh, to education uh, throughout minor league baseball. And that's what's going to be lost if these 42 teams become disaffiliated. Um, first off, just talk about the reaction of the organization uh, when they found, when you found out that uh, you know the Burlington Royals were, were put on this list, and you know what has gone into trying to fight, uh, you know what's going on right now. Yeah, so I had actually heard about this um, back in June. You know, it didn't come public knowledge until recently, but I'd heard about it back in June, and so it's kind of always been in the back of my mind. But it was kind of one of those things that like we weren't really too, we were concerned about it, but you know we. We had a lot to do because we still needed to get through the summer. Um, and so it was kind of one of those things that because of the season, we I couldn't really think about it. Um, and then in October, we had our league meeting in, in Bristol, Tennessee. And we were fortunate that uh, minor league president Pat O'Connor showed up. And he kind of um, kind of debriefed us, if you will, uh, about the ongoing negotiations. And basically, I mean, he he went into it for like an hour. Uh, and like he was very upfront with us, very honest with us, told us where everything stood. Um, but told us at the same time that it needed to stay in that room. Um, and that was about the first week of October. Well, it wasn't, excuse me, it wasn't, um, two weeks later. And then everything that he said became public knowledge. And, and to me, that, that's when it all, all kind of started, uh, going downhill quick. Um, because now you've got media involved, you, you're starting to get, some people involved that can turn the negotiation process into something that you'd think would be pretty easy uh, and, and be pretty civil into something to where now you're now everything you read is pretty negative And it seems like somebody's saying something about somebody's mama and now nobody's speaking to each other versus just trying to get it, get together and find a, a, a solution. Um, and so since then, I mean, it, it, be completely honest with you, it's been worrisome just because of, kind of where everything stood. Uh, and then you have the list that comes out, I think, from the New York Times. And, yeah, it's it's pretty scary. Um, but at the same time, you know, unfortunately, we've got to look at it as 2020 uh, is going to happen no matter what. And, and, you know, 2020 is guaranteed, so we've got to be positive about that. We've got to, if anything, kind of try to go out with the bang, but also try to prove that, you know what, if you cut us like these, this is what all these communities are going to be missing out. Um, and to to kind of kind of segue straight in into that, like one of the things that we all the teams that offer to the communities is, you know, we're always when you're younger, you're always looking for your first job, and nobody really likes their first job. They always kind of settle for their first job. Um, but for a lot of our employees, their first job is at the ballpark. And there are a lot of people that would love to be able to get paid to go to the ballpark. 
I'm one of those people that's pretty fortunate to be able to do so. Um, but had I, I'd always wanted even in college to think, man, if I could spend the summer um, at the Royals because they were my local team, uh, the B Royals of my, my local team, if I could go over there and get paid to go to the ballpark, you know, there, there's not much stuff that's better than that. Uh, and so we offer a lot of opportunities for, for young folks to, to kind of get their first job. But we also offer a lot of uh, our positions to, to teachers as well. Uh, I mean, that's the prime um, season for them to, to either take off or try to make a little bit of extra cash. And so we, we try to help them do that. Um, but then we offer uh, like a, a lot of areas for, for nonprofits to come into the game. We try to have one a night that we can focus on uh, that kind of gets to um, show off uh, what they do for the community. We try to raise awareness for them. We use uh, uh, what we call our community spotlight program um, presented by LabCorp to try to help with raising funds through ticket sales. Uh, we, we don't, there are some teams that will sell them tickets at a discounted rate and then the nonprofit can try to then turn around and sell those tickets for a profit. Um, we don't do it that way. What we do is we just tell them, look, if you'll help us promote the night on Facebook, social media, however you want to, um, for, for the amount of people that buy a ticket using your code, we'll give you uh, a portion of the proceeds through that. And so we try to do that with as, as many nonprofits as we can. I think last year we had 25 um, do that and out of the 34 home games that we had. Um, we offer. Uh, Let's see, we, we donate a lot of tickets to the school system, to, to teachers and students. Um, and when I say a lot of tickets, I mean, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars of tickets to the school system to come out and join night uh, at the ballpark. Um, and then through various uh, um, cash and other in-kind donations, we've donated another hundred to $150,000 worth of um cash and in-kind donations to, to area charities and communities. And so you're talking about a lot of opportunities that kind of go away, not only for those looking for their first job, but for a lot of nonprofit organizations that if we were taken away, won't be able to do it. And I mean, there's a lot of teams on the list that are able to do a lot more than we are because they're, they're, they've got the resources to do so. And I think you're taking when you're starting to take that away from communities, you're really hurting them in a way that you're not really thinking thinking of when you're just sitting at a desk thinking, you know what we should try to do? Maybe we should take away 42 minor league teams. It's not really as, uh, as a easy decision or as a good of a decision as my, as major league baseball would like to think that it is. So talking about the city of Burlington as a whole, when it comes to baseball, how does the city rally around the Royals for, you know, the few months of the season uh, that it is for rookie ball? You know, we're we're very blessed as far, um, I think, compared to some teams in minor league baseball. Like We have a, a wonderful relationship with the city of Burlington. Uh, They're all for having baseball and professional baseball at that in the city. They realize that being one of 160 actually means something and is very um, unique. And they're proud of that. Uh, I mean, just in the past five years, um, I think we've had over probably $3.5 million in renovations done to the ballpark. Um, this most previous one, which is done prior to the 2019 season, they spent $1.2 million to, to really 
redo the the plaza entryway um restrooms and even office areas for us that uh made the ballpark um have curb appeal that it has not had in a long time for those that for a quick backstory of our ballpark of the the city of danville actually sold um our ballpark to the city of burlington for five thousand dollars back in like 1960 um and so the city of burlington had to go up and get it brick by or um tear it down uh and label it and put it back together um down where it is now uh and we had baseball there from like 1960 to 1972 and then from 1973 to 1985 baseball was not there um and talking to a, a lot of folks that like that hurt um they were a senator's franchise at the time or last time they were there in 1972 uh, and then my president, Miles Wolf, um, brought baseball back in 1986. And we were the Indians affiliate from 86 to 2006. And then started with the Royals in 2007. Been there ever since. And, I mean, the, the city, uh, not only as a government, but uh, as a community, loves having the ball team there. Um, and then, I mean, just for example, last year or since um, – Really, 2007, 2007, when the Royals came, our attendance has really increased nearly every year. Uh, and last year, we saw a 20% increase in, in actual attendance at the ballpark. And we saw a, about a 20% increase in, in off-season sponsorship sales and, and then a nearly a 20% increase in revenue all across the board. And so it was one of those things that you could tell that the community has our support and it was encouraging. And so seeing this is discouraging because you know the city's behind us all the way and now we've got to convince them that hey at the very least we've got one more but they're hesitant because they're worried about 2021 when they might not have a team anymore it sounds like when you were talking about kind of the roots of the burlington royals that the city of burlington went out sought a minor league baseball team and paid for the ability to have the team um, I don't know if a lot of Royals fans know this. I know a lot will, but there are, you know, minor league baseball teams are not permanently fixed to their major league affiliates. So, for instance, like you said, the Burlington Royals joined the Kansas City Royals in, in 2007. So, obviously, before 2007, they had no affiliation with the Royals, and it, and it changes time to time. So, my, Mr. Morrison, I'm under the impression that when, like, updates are needed at the facilities – if you need minor league TV, if you want um, a new batting cage, a new outfield, whatever, the Burlington Royals pay for all those updates. Do the do the big league teams ever step in and fund projects or for updates or improvements to facilities or anything like that? There are some teams that do, absolutely. Uh, and Dayton has even told our group that um, considering how much the city has done for our facility, that they that – they'd be willing to kind of help out too. Um, we'll, we'll use um, Pittsburgh, for example, Greensboro, the Greensboro grass officers right down, down the road in the Sally league. Um, the Pittsburgh wanted something redone in their home clubhouse or in the grasshoppers home clubhouse. And they said, if you can get us the space uh, for a weight room, we will provide you with all the, the, the workout um, equipment. And they held true to their word. Greensboro got them the space, figured out where they were going to put it. And the next thing you know, they've got an incredible weight room uh, in their home locker room. So there there are teams that are willing to do that from the major league side. And then, too, um, you, you know, I, I think the great thing about 
our relationship with Kansas City and then our relationship with the city uh, is if Major League Baseball says, hey, this is something that needs to be done, and we'll go to Kansas City and we'll kind of ask them, all right, where is this on your priority list? We'll get it done. We just need to know how quickly we need to get it done because, you know, there, there might need to be some resources that need to be raised or moved around, whatever it may be. Um, but we've tried or we've gotten everything done that's pretty much been asked for us uh, or been asked of us. And I think you, you see that in a lot of communities that if something, if Major League Baseball headquarters is requiring something to be done at the minor league facilities, if you give them ample time to get it done, and I'm not saying let them drag it out for for a decade, but if you say, hey, can you get this done in three years? Most teams will get it done in three years because they understand the importance of keeping a minor league team in the community. So, I mean, that that's kind of one thing that I've always thought was interesting is that, you know, the minor league baseball teams, it sounds like for, for a lot of the facilities, fund themselves, they're kind of self-sustaining. And even when the major league teams do pitch in, it's not like major league baseball or the Kansas City Royals are responsible for funding your park and your team. Uh, 100% of the way, which is why when I hear that Major League Baseball wants to cut 42 teams, it's odd to me because Major League Baseball, in my opinion, doesn't do enough to help the minor league baseball teams, but then acts like somehow that cutting them will relieve them of financial burden, when in reality, all that's going to do is eliminate jobs for players. It's going to eliminate jobs for people who work there. And I want to read this graphic that your social media team tweeted out again. So. When we're talking about the 42 teams that are being targeted um, by Major League Baseball, since 2015, these 42 clubs have raised $9.7 million for local nonprofits. They've donated $7.7 million to educational programs and schools, $1.4 million to cancer research and prevention organizations, $1 million to military and veteran causes. $817,000 $817,000 to youth baseball and softball. They've, ra- they've created over 2,450 total uh, charitable and community programs. They've acquired over 8,000 staff volunteer hours and donated $31.5 million to charitable contributions to impact communities. It sounds to me, and it looks to me, and having friends that play minor league baseball that minor league baseball does more for the community and does more for major league baseball insurmountably more than major league baseball could ever save by cutting these teams. Is that a fair read of the situation? I mean, I think absolutely. And for the record, let me say this first before I kind of go into it. Kansas city is not one of these clubs that are all for this. And when I say that major league baseball, or even when you say that major league baseball is looking to do this, this is, Park Avenue. This is Major League Baseball headquarters that are looking that are looking to do this, and only a handful of teams. And Kansas City is not one of them. And I thank them for it. Uh, they are, are fully supportive and understand the importance of minor league baseball, not only for the communities, but I mean, you you look at the World Series team back in '15. Like a lot of those guys were homegrown guys. A lot of those guys came up through the Kansas City system, and they understand like for us to compete, this is how we have to do it. I mean, everybody knows. They're not the biggest market in the world, and they don't have the deepest pockets. 
But you give Dayton time, you give that staff time, they're going to develop a team that's going to compete for for an AL Central title and even a World Series title. And, and so, what hurts the what hurts it is there's a lot of um, it's almost turned into, into corporate greed, if you will, um, from the major league side. They're seeing this as an opportunity to to save a nickel, and that's really what it comes down to. I mean, when you look at the cost for a major league team to to have a, an affiliate of what they would be saving per affiliate, it's about six hundred and sixty thousand dollars. There's a major league minimum is five hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. So how much are you really saving if the major league minimum is five seventy five, and the only thing that you're really saving if you cut a, a minor league team is six hundred and sixty thousand dollars? And so that's the frustrating part about it. And then I mean, let's just be honest: att- attendance is down, youth. Um, baseball and softball activity is down. And if you take baseball out of these communities, it's not like those numbers are going to go up. They're going to continue to go down. We've got to make sure that by keeping these minor league teams in these communities, you're still allowing the communities to to flourish. You're allowing them to continue to to impact their community in positive ways, but you're also trying – you're also growing the game within them. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, that's what you want to do. If you're going to be America's game, if you're going to be America's pastime, then you can't take baseball away from small-town America. And, and that's one thing I wanted to ask you about. It feels like Major League Baseball is kind of talking out of both sides of its mouth here because they want to grow the game. They're focused on you know, perhaps speeding the game up a little bit to target a younger audience um, uh, and you know this newer wave uh, of kids that want a faster game. But in order, and, the, and they've kind of done that by implementing the pitch clock in minor league baseball. But you would think then, in Burlington, North Carolina, the, the closest team to you guys is probably the Braves, right? Yeah, major league team. We're kind of right in the middle between Atlanta uh, and Baltimore and Washington. Okay. but ha- So how far do you think, if, if you were going to drive from Burlington to Atlanta, I'm not up to date on my geography there. What's the drive like from Burlington to Atlanta? You're probably talking between five and a half, six hours. So this isn't something that, that kids in Burlington can just up and do on a regular school night in the spring or in the fall. If my family was going to take you know kids to the, from Burlington to a Major League Baseball game, it is a day or two long trip in order to see a game, which means that these minor league teams in these communities that are hours and hours away from Major League Baseball teams are probably your best way to grow the game. And while Major League Baseball puts on this whole campaign about let the kids play, they're taking away the teams closest to the kids who don't live close to Major League Baseball. And and that, to me, is both hypocritical and just – I don't want to use the word dumb because I don't think they're being dumb on purpose. I think it's just – I think it's irresponsible jockeying for some greater negotiation tactic that – just feels irresponsible it feels hypocritical and it doesn't sound like there's any real reason to cut these teams except for a a, like you said to save a nickel or perhaps to use it in a negotiating tactic uh, later on Uh, absolutely and you know i'll say north carolina is pretty blessed when it comes to minor league teams i think we have 11 minor league teams and so folks in elements county where burlington is they'll still have an opportunity to go see Durham, uh, which is AAA affiliate for, for the Rays, or they'll be able to go to Greensboro, um, which is in the single A for the Pirates. 
both of them, Burlington's right in the middle of them. So you're talking about a 30 minute drive. And so Alamance County fans of baseball won't necessarily be hurt too much. Uh, I think the community, the organizations we help will, will be impacted. But when I see this, I think about the, the kids that are also in uh, like Missoula, Montana, uh, where their closest major league team or, or closest professional team, we'll just say professional, including minor league, maybe even indie ball, I think it's 13 hours away if you take away their minor league team. 13 hours away. Uh they're not going to have that opportunity to go see professional baseball. I grew up in the western part of North Carolina going to Hickory Crawdads games. And, you know, that's when I was young and naive and wondering why the heck they didn't play the Braves. I was wondering why that was a different league altogether. But I was just happy that I got to see baseball. And when you take baseball out of these communities, especially communities like Missoula, Montana, and a couple others up in the northwest, they're, you're taking away opportunities for kids to really l- learn how to love the game. Yeah, 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 and that's that's one thing where, um, you know, I remember way, growing up going to ball games with my dad. I remember the first baseball game I went to. Luckily, I was you know close enough to Kansas City. I've always lived within 15 minutes of the stadium. But I remember the first game I went to. I got to see Ken Griffey Jr. Right, he was the kid. He was the young, cool, the next thing. Um, you know, Mr. Morrison, this this past summer, uh, the fans of the Burlington Royals got to see, you know, Vinny Pasquantino and Adrian Alcantara and, and some of those younger guys, the next up-and-coming wave of potential Kansas City Royals take that team to an Appalachian League championship. And I think it does a gr- it's, it's a great opportunity not just to learn baseball, right? You go, you hang out with your dad hang out with your mom, hang out with your family, grandma, grandpa, whoever it is. You hang out with whoever takes you to the game as a kid, but you get to watch these guys be professionals. You get to, you know, learn from them as role, young role models in the community. Um, can you speak to anybody in particular that was on the Burlington Royals team this past summer that, you know, maybe it was uh, a recent draftee, somebody who's been in the team for a year or two, but how the players specifically impact their communities, whether it's, you know, going out in the community or signing autographs or how they interact with the kids and the fans at the games uh, in general? Yeah, no, absolutely. I've got a couple. And Vinny, uh, this past year, is a great example of that. Vinny uh, and this young kid named Chandler uh, at the ballpark. Or Chandler might get in trouble for guessing his age wrong. We'll just say he's four or five years old. He, he, he got an opportunity to develop a, a genuine relationship with Vinny. Um, I, I think Vinny gave him his glove at the end of the year as a gift. Uh, and, and even today, um, I just heard the other day that that family reached out to Vinny on Instagram and very quickly Vinny responded back. Uh, they, they send videos uh, of Chandler um, throwing or, or hitting and they'll send them to Vinny and Vinny sends encouraging messages back. And uh, I mean, Vinny's been great like that. And I think Nikki Lopez is another one that, developed relationships like that as well uh, with folks in, that came to our game. I mean, Nikki's one of the nicest guys ever, and and folks that come to our game will tell you the same thing. And it's it, – I hear stories all the time of folks that, that come to our game and they'll go to Greensboro um, after like a year later when uh, the team – when, say, uh, the guys have moved up to Lexington or they'll go to Winston-Salem, which is about an hour away when they're playing Wilmington. 
And those guys will still remember those fans that came to the game. They'll still remember the the relationship they had with them. And that's something you're not really going to find anywhere else. I, I know of a family that uh, is still talking to Terrence Gore. Uh, and so those relationships do not go away. I mean, T. Gore was in Burlington in 2012. And so what, seven, eight years later, he's still communicating with people that come to the ball or that came to the ballpark. And you're, you're not really going to find that. I, I think what Burlington rookie ball specifically really offers is a chance for that to happen because yeah, you can play complex ball um, and, and you can play the games early. Like they, they're talking about doing, they're going to play games early or they might play exhibitions or yeah, you, you might play. Um, we'll say the, the, Arizona League Royals might play the Arizona League Rangers, but if nobody's there and you're not playing under the lights, what is that really doing for you? I mean, it, it almost feels like you're playing a glorified inner squad. Um, and so what Burlington, what Pulaski, what Danville, um, what Missoula, Montana, what all those, what all these leagues or towns do is gives these kids an opportunity to, to develop as a professional, it gives them an opportunity to play under the lights, it gives them an opportunity to, to play in front of a crowd. And yeah, you can make the argument that some of these kids coming out of Division One in the SEC and ACC are, are playing in front of bigger crowds. But I tell you, I mean, you look at some of the international free agents that, that Kansas City has signed, and not just Kansas City, but any team altogether, these kids, these kids have all the talent in the world but because they haven't played under the lights or they haven't played in front of a thousand people before, you can tell that it gets to them. And so it takes them a couple of weeks to really kind of get used to that pressure of being watched. Um, and you can't, and so you can't from a progression level take a get kid from Arizona or the Gulf Coast and throw them in uh, the Carolina League where Wilmington and uh, several other teams in that league are averaging 3,500 people, 4,000 people a night because you go from 12 to 4,000. I mean, that's a culture shock in itself just there. And, and all of a sudden you press and you're not playing baseball the way that you know how to. And, and so what these communities do is, is gives them an opportunity to progress as a professional on the field that gets them also gets them used to the crowd, but also gets them used to the community gets them used to, uh, giving back, whether it's is signing autographs or taking pictures, or even we had a couple of players go help with us, um, count and sort, sort school supplies uh, for underprivileged families here in Alamance County towards the end of the season. And so it gives them a chance to really progressively um, grow as a professional in baseball. Yeah, and you talk about the development of, of, of just how guys like Vinny and his buddy Chandler, right, and, and that relationship – and the Royals put a premium on people. The Royals put a premium on good character and good guys like Vinny. Um, and, and stories like that, I think, are the ones that follow the greats. They follow them all the way to the major leagues, and, and it keeps those guys humbled. And so, you know, it, it's, it's awesome to hear the general manager of, of the team raving about individual players and how they specifically are able to impact the community and impact families and lives that are there in Burlington. And so you talk about Mr. Morris, you talk about like that, that, that buddy of Vinny's that Chandler kid. Um, that's a kid who without the Burlington Royals doesn't grow up with that hero, doesn't grow up with that glove, maybe doesn't grow up playing baseball, whatever it is, you know, the butterfly effect, right. Is every impact we make or everything we do impacts somebody somewhere along the line in some way. 
and maybe it's not Chandler's directly impacted. Maybe it's his kids or a buddy of his or whoever it is. Um, but that just cannot be replaced. Um, and, and I know that the Royals specifically put a huge premium on that. But even if it's not the Royals, you know, removing minor league baseball teams from those communities, I think that is one of the things that I will be the most upset that is going to be missing from those communities is those relationship with the players and the fans and the communities um, and the impact they're able to make. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, I don't know who they were when, when I was younger, when I was going to Hickory games, couldn't tell you who they were, but just the fact that I had professional baseball players talking to me when I was seven, eight, nine years old. I mean, it's stuff that I'll, I'll never forget. I'll never forget when one of them, when I fought a couple of kids over some balls that the guys in the bullpen were throwing to us, it's just one of those, some of those memories that, you know, will last a lifetime. And you're, you're, you're taking that away and you're taking away opportunities for the game to continue to grow, like we said earlier. So with the 2020 season coming up here in a few months, what are some goals that you guys uh, in the Burlington organization have talked about for, <coughs> excuse me, that you guys have, uh, what you guys want out of this season? Obviously, we don't want this to be the last season in Burlington, but that is a distinct possibility. So, what have you guys in the organization talked about of what you want out of this season? You know, we just want to make sure that we're continuing to make an impact in the community. We want to show people that we're still here, that 2020 is guaranteed, and that if it is our last season uh, as as a professional team, that we're going to go out with a bang. We're not going to try to go out with a, we're not going to go out with a whimper. We're not going to. Um, just kind of lay down and let it happen. But we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that we're still showing a good time uh, to, to folks in Alamance County because, I mean, this is this is our livelihoods. This is what we have to do. Um, and, and so if we're going to do something, we're going to do it big. I don't necessarily have the mentality of uh, of just laying down and quitting. And so we're going to do everything that we can to, to continue to, to kind of to fight, to kind of voice our displeasure. Um, but at the end of the day, we know we still have a job to do, and that's just to, to make sure that we're, we're showing the folks in Alamance County a good time. Well, for any, I got one more here for you. So for, for the folks that are for listening, if, if you live in Burlington specifically or in the area, um, now is a no time like the president to get out to a game for the Burlington Royals, show your support. Um, get out, show Major League Baseball that, that removing teams like the Burlington Royals would be a mistake because I think, you know, I hate to say this would be the last chance because, you know, I think we all hope that there, this won't be the last chance uh, for the Royals to, to show what, how much they matter and how important they are in the community. But um, I, I do think that this is a great opportunity for the, for the community of Burlington, North Carolina to get out to, to flex their muscles a little bit and to show Major League Baseball how important the team is to them, how important the team is to the community. I know I'm going to try to make it out there at, at some point this summer um, and hopefully uh, get, get a couple of interviews and, and you know report back on the importance of Minor League Baseball teams to their community. Um, a friend of the site, his name is Joey, um, won't say his last name, his, his, Joe, his baseball Brit on Twitter. Um, Joey is from London. He taught in Korea. He's the he's the bloke that traveled the country, uh, seeing all the. He tried to go to 162 baseball games. Um, if you're not familiar with uh, Joey, you can find him on Twitter at Baseball Brit. Um, I know Joey's going to be around this summer in Burlington, also covering the Burlington Royals, also making sure that they're 
uh, get the get the publicity they need and the support they need. So Burlington is going to be at the forefront of this discussion this coming summer. I know there's going to be folks like myself, folks like Joey that are out there trying to make a case to keep these guys around. But if you live in that community, if you're listening to this podcast, get out there to the ballpark, get out there to the stadium, watch a team. It's going to be a great crop of guys coming in from Arizona, coming in from the Dominican Summer League. I wouldn't be surprised at all if guys like Eric Pena made his way to Burlington next year, one of the top prospects in the Royal system. So um, make sure you get out there, make sure you support, um, and, and let's make sure we keep these teams around for the foreseeable future. Absolutely. And one thing I would say to that is, unfortunately, we're not the only Kansas City uh, affiliate that's doing that. I'd like to give yeah. at least some recognition to, to our friends in Idaho Falls, uh, as well as Lexington. Uh, they're also on that list, if you, that hit list, if you will. So definitely encourage folks to go see those guys as well. They're doing a heck of a job. and We need all the support that we can get. Absolutely. Well, Mr. Morrison, this has been very eye-opening for us. Uh, we're very excited and very fortunate that you uh, you joined us tonight. Before we get you out of here, we got one last question. We ask it to everybody that we interview. If you can go back and watch one moment in baseball history live and in person, what would it be? Well, growing up a Carolina basketball fan, if I had the opportunity to see Michael hit a home run in Birmingham, I'd probably have to say I'd want to do that. Heck yeah. That's all. That's a really good one. That's that We haven't gotten anything close to that before. That's really cool. Yeah, that might be the most unique answer we've had uh, on the podcast, especially as it pertains to minor league baseball and as it pertains to one of the greatest athletes of any generation ever. That's a that's a really good one. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little obsessed. I'm sitting here in my man cave talking to you guys, and I've got two Michael posters in front of me. And if, uh, <laughs> if, uh, I, I need a, a Michael Birmingham jersey to kind of complete the collection. So if anybody knows anybody, I mean, I'll definitely take one. We'll definitely be on the lookout for that for you. Well, Mikey, thank you so much. Uh, for anyone that wants to follow the Burlington Royals and you on social media, where can they do that? Um, follow the B Royals at uh, B Royals KC on Twitter and on Instagram, uh, Facebook, uh, Burlington Royals. Um, I tend to yell a lot on my Twitter, so I'm trying to do a hiatus on there. So we'll, uh, I'll keep my, my Twitter name a lot away from that one. Thank you so much. We really do appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to uh, having you on, hopefully in the near future, talking about the 2021 season for the Burlington Royals. Absolutely, gentlemen. I, re- I appreciate the support. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're more than happy to have you on.